services here at the well is uh, celebrating uh, Good Friday, the, the, the death of Jesus upon a cross, but coupling that with communion. And uh, we'll get to that in a few moments. Uh, but before we do so, uh, we want to just walk through a message tonight that I think is really important for us. And here's my goal is uh, to get us to focus on the cross. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time tonight, we want to welcome you. Uh, My name is Jason. This is my wife, Erica. We're the lead pastors here uh, at The Well in Salt Lake City. And it's just an honor to have you with us and and join with us tonight. And uh, I hope that uh, you are safe and uh, you are healthy and that uh, your family is uh, is lifted up right now. Um, I know that we've been praying for you all week long for those we know and those we don't know. So thank you for joining us tonight. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, we're going to look at uh, just a couple verses here. John chapter 19, verse 28 are going to be the verses that we're going to look at tonight. And it says this, it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, such a powerful word right there, finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Tonight, as we continue on in this series that we've been, Sacred Eight, um, that's what we've been calling our series and we celebrate Good Friday. I wanna speak to you from the subject, victory in defeat. Victory in defeat. As we look at the victory that each of us have by way of the cross and the ultimate victory that is found in and through Jesus. And if you would, I just want to pray one more time before we launch into the, to the rest of this moment. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this moment. Um, for some of us, uh, an awkward moment, a moment that we didn't see coming, a moment that uh, we didn't want. And so God, tonight, right now in this moment, as we join together as a community online, I pray that you would just be with us, that your presence would be in every house, in every space, in every place that people are gathering together tonight to honor and celebrate Good Friday. And so we love you, we worship you, we need your voice. Speak to us right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you're online, shout amen. You can make comments in the comments section. We'd love to know that you're with us, where you're watching from, and where you're joining from. Um, Eric and I, we are competitive people. Uh, we both are strong personalities. She's a stronger personality than I am. And uh, many people have even come over to our house, play board games with us and card games, and uh, often question the strength of our marriage by the time we get to the end of the game, uh, wondering if that we're actually all right. Uh, because there's this competitive nature inside of us. Both of us want to win. Uh, we want to we wanna take first, like, like Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. Come on, somebody. And so. And I'm always first. She's always first. She, uh, <laughs> funny enough, she actually does win all the games. Um, and I don't cheat. Well, that, that's nope, yet nope. to be found out. Don't, but um, we are competitive don't people. Don't ruin my character and integrity right now. <laughs> <laughs> competitive people by nature. Our kids are competitive. Our families are competitive. And so um, as I was thinking about this the other day, inside every single one of us is this natural desire to win. We're competitive, we're aggressive to see it through, we want to come out victors in the end. And we need to understand that tonight, as Christ followers, we have won. Like at the end of the day, if you go from the front of the book to the back of the book, you're going to find out really quickly that we have won. We are victorious by way of the cross, by way of the death, burial, and eventually, which we will celebrate on Easter Sunday, the resurrection. The primary biblical assertion is that victory belongs 
to God. Victory comes because ultimately the battle is the Lord's and he has won the battle. He is victorious. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through verse 58. He says this, I tell you, this is Paul the apostle writing. Uh, he was an apostle who would plant many churches and oversee many churches. He would write a massive portion of, of the New Testament. And writing to a church in this area called uh, Corinth, he would say this. He would say, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up, check it out, in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through who? Jesus. And therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Look what Paul says. He says, because of this victory that we have through Jesus because of the cross, right, we can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Yeah. It was on the cross in the last moments of Jesus's life that he would muster the strength to utter the sound of triumph in a loud voice, it is finished. The Greek word tetaelestai has more power and authority to it as it means it is finished, it stands finished, it will always be finished now and forever. I think this is an important word for us to focus on. This word is, in many ways, unfamiliar to us. But it was used by various people in everyday life in those days. A servant would use it when reporting to his or her master, saying, I have completed the work assigned to me. We would see that, John chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus would actually hearken to this idea by saying, I've completed the work. When a priest examined an animal sacrifice and found it faultless, this would apply as well. Jesus, of course, the perfect lamb of God without spot or blemish. When an artist completed a picture or a writer, a manuscript, he or she might say, it is finished, it's done, it will not be tweaked, it will not be messed with, you cannot do anything to it. The death of Jesus on the cross completes this picture. That God had been painting this beautiful masterpiece, the story that he'd been writing for centuries because of the cross, it is finished. But, hap but maybe the, the most beautiful way to look at this, the most meaningful usage of this word was used by merchants as they would use this word to indicate and declare that debt is paid in full. Awesome. It is finished. When Jesus gave himself on the cross, he met fully the righteous demands of a holy law. He paid our debt in full. And none of the Old Testament sacrifices could take away sins. Their blood only covered it. But the Lamb of God shed his blood, and that blood can take away the sins of the world. It is finished. It's finished. Yeah. Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. The work had been done. His redemptive work was completed. He had become sin 
and had suffered the penalty of God's justice, which sin so worked its way through our humanity. Jesus covered it. All the victory had been won. So I guess the question is this, if we go back to the competitive nature, what have we won? And I think that's a question that I really want to work hard at, at, uh, at dealing with tonight and answering tonight. Uh, what have we won? In the victory of the cross, what have we won? This, this brutal yet beautiful moment in history, this dark moment yet good Friday. What happens through it? What do we receive through it? And that's what I want to I want to look at tonight. We're going to take some time to unpack this together. It is finished was a declaration of four truths that we need to understand tonight. And Erica's going to share the first one with us. Yeah, so the first one, the first truth is a declaration of peace. We're going to read out of Ephesians 2, 13 through 18. It says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Here's what I want you to hear. Peace is something that many of us have been praying regularly for. I don't know about you, but in this climate, we're all praying for peace. We pray for peace for our nation. We pray for world peace. We pray for peace over our home because our kids are there all the time. (laughs) We pray for peace. We pray for peace because we're afraid. Yeah. Because we don't know what's truly going on. Because we can't align our heart and our thoughts with what God has already said. And so we're afraid. And the promises of him. Peace is promised, however, to those, what does it say in Ephesians, who are near and who are far. That means he's promised us all peace. In and through the cross, we've all been promised peace. Peace is not an impossible reality. In fact, it's not even something that we should just pray for, but rather that we can grab a hold of because it came as a promise of the cross. It's not something you have to ask for. It's already been given to you. It's an invitation. It's a place where you can sit and you can reside in because he gave you great peace when he died on the cross for your sins. It's a promise. It can and should be a part of our daily reality and our personal stature. To stand in a place of peace is to acknowledge who holds the world in his hands. And this is what I think of, I think of that song. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 He's got you and me in his hands. He's got you and me in his hands. He's got you and me in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. That's the promise. The promise of peace is that he already has us right there in his hands. And peace is residing in the knowledge that in all the storms of life, he reigns and his peace is tangible and he's got you. Here's some promises of peace. Psalm 4, 8, it says, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. I don't know about y'all, but we've been struggling with sleep lately. Why? (laughs) Because the enemy is trying to take away our peace. 
He's trying to steal our peace away from us, but he can't take from us what was gifted to us through the cross. He promises that he will, in peace, we can lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Come on. We can dwell in the safety of our Savior. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. Nothing. Zilch. Nada. Nothing. Anything. Do not be anxious. But in everything by what? Prayer. Yep. And supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to the Lord. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all humanity, all human knowledge, all human understanding, all scientists, all everything, all, all the things. All the things. <laughs> I almost got a little too far there. That peace, which surpasses all our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the world is watching and they are searching for peace. Yep. They want to know about the peace of God. Imagine if we as his kids could stand in a place of peace when the rest of the world is being rocked. What would that look like to be a peaceful person, to have a peaceful persona, to have a peaceful stance and stature? A promise that's been gifted to us through the cross. Yeah, beautiful. Here's the second truth. The second truth that we uh, see through the cross, that, uh, that we won through the cross, is there was a declaration of joy. A declaration of joy. And I know that's a hard thing to talk about right now, and especially in Good Friday, because you have this weird mix of like, well, it's a Good Friday, but like my son asked me today, he's like, Dad, how is it a Good Friday? And we explain this to him every year. That's the funny part about this. But he's like, Dad, how is it a Good Friday if Jesus died? Isn't that like a bad Friday? And I'm like, yeah, son. But And we explain to him the good news, actually the joy that's found in the gospel. It's a declaration of joy. Now, Philippians chapter 1, 3 through 11, Paul, once again, Paul the Apostle would write something. It's found in the first few verses I'm going to read. He says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. This is a church that he loved and he was praying for. And he says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. He goes, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, Paul's joy was the product of God's redemptive power in his life and in our lives. And it was based upon a promise, it was based upon a truth, it was based upon the fact that Jesus is faithful to complete what is given to him. We see that in the cross and ultimately and eventually the resurrection. He would complete the task that was given to him to complete. That we have joy because we know that our God is faithful to complete what he starts. And I, I think right now in this moment, this is especially important because I think for many of us, we can settle into this moment that we're in right now and we can go, God, like, are you, are you even doing anything right now? Like, are you at work? Is that, like, are you going to complete what you started? Because, man, for a lot of us, things were going really well before all this started to happen. Come on, can we, can we be honest about that tonight? Like, things were going really well. I've talked to so many people over the past few weeks, so they're like, man, things were going so good. And what I hear ultimately in that statement is there's this underlying disbelief that, that maybe God can't do, do it again, or maybe God can't continue what he would start. 
or what he had started. And I just want to declare tonight, the cross is proof that he finishes what he starts. He keeps on going. He keeps on moving forward. He keeps on uh, doing what he's doing in our lives. He keeps on moving us to that place that he has for us. That's what the cross shows us, that he will not give up. There's this realization that each one of us needs to come to concerning joy. And that's this, that joy and happiness are not the same. This situation don't got me happy, but I can still be joy-filled. Come on, somebody. I can still find the joy that comes in the truth of the cross, right? For many of us, we want this feeling, we want this joyful feeling, and Paul's telling us, hey, listen, we can have joy ultimately because we can look at the truth of the cross. Psalm 30, verses four through five says this, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but... For a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. That's good news. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And we know this to be true because of the cross. Joy comes in the morning. So the second thing that we get through the cross, that we've received in and through the cross, is that it was a declaration of joy. Yeah, amen. The third thing is... uh, that it was a declaration of righteousness. One of the most incredible gifts of the cross was the sacrifice of Jesus, yeah. where he gave us right standing with, Christ, with God through his sacrifice. See, the gap between us and God was filled by Jesus. Yeah. The bridge was created. And we are now in a place of right standing because of the cross with our Savior. Romans 5, 15 through 21 reminds us of this free gift given by Jesus to us, which is grace. Yeah. The covering of all of our trespasses. Verse 17 through 18 says this, for if because of one's man, one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, that was Adam and Eve in the garden, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all men. That was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So this day, over 2,000 years ago, the gavel was hit on the pedestal and we were proclaimed not guilty over every single human being. Jesus knew that when he took that place on that cross and he died, He knew that at the end of the day, he was proclaiming not guilty over each and every single one of us. That we would now be in right standing with God. That our slate, the slate would be wiped clean. That we would be able to come to the Father with no no holds bar. It was like you're in. No veil, the veil was torn. All access passed to our Father. And Jesus built that bridge. Isaiah 118 proclaimed and already said this was going to happen. He said, though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. That was Jesus. And the minute the cross happened, the minute Jesus died on the cross for us, our sins were taken over. He understood that he was the ultimate sacrifice, the last and final sacrifice necessary for us to be able to access our Father. And we are now declared righteous, our moral failures wiped clean, our path to God uninhibited. Beautiful, and here's the fourth one, the fourth truth, and I think one of the most important ones we need to realize tonight is that it was, the cross was a declaration of salvation. 
that the cross was a declaration of salvation. I want to give us a few scriptures here, um, just so you know that uh, uh, these are not our opinions, but this is what we see in the Bible tonight. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7 says this, but when the goodness Come on, somebody. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of our works. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Come on, that is Beautiful news. The cross was a declaration of salvation. And what we need to understand in this moment is at the end of the day, like let's let's be very, very honest about this, this truth right here. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. We are all going to make mistakes. We are all gonna go in directions that so many times do not line up with God's plan or desire or purpose for our life. But we need to understand something tonight is that the cross is this beautiful truth about God's love for each and every single one of us. And if you don't get that tonight, if you do not understand that tonight, if I could plead with you tonight, you have to understand that there is a God in heaven who loves you unequivocally. And that's what the cross is. I love this week because we get to focus, our church has been focusing all the way up until this moment and eventually Easter Sunday, uh, we've been focusing on the beauty of Jesus. This perfect gift, and as I read these stories once again, as I read these moments in the life of Jesus once again, the the uh, the craziness surrounding his life and this this beehive that was happening, leading to these last moments of his life, I I can't help but think as as he sat in the garden and he prayed, and as he went to the cross, he would see you and me, and we would know in that moment unequivocally as he laid bare and beaten upon that cross that he loves you with a ferocity like none of us would ever. Experience. He loves you. And I know for many of us right now, we could be sitting in this moment. It's like, like, how do I, like, how? If God loved me, why, why this? Why this moment? Or maybe you'd be saying to yourself right now, Jay, like, there's no way that He can love me. You have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what my life has been. And you're right, I don't. I don't understand all the intricacies of your life and all the intricacies of your thought processes and the things that you've gone through and experienced and done and everything like that, but I can tell you, Jesus does. And he still went to the cross. That's a love like none of us have ever known before. That's a love that by human nature we cannot possess nor give. It's perfect love. It's perfect love. It's love without motive, it's love without bounds, it's love without degrees. And all he wants is you and me. And we come to him in our brokenness, we come to him in our humanity. Not perfect, not having it all together, we just come. And so the cross is a declaration of salvation. And it's something that you and I can experience in and through Jesus. And for some of us right now, it's a moment that you have before you to say yes to him. And so what I wanna do before we take communion together is maybe, maybe you're watching tonight and you would say, man, Jason, I wanna know that Jesus. And not, not do I just wanna know him from a knowledge base, but 
I want to experience him and I want to I give him my life. Because here's the truth, there's nothing you can do to earn his love. There's nothing you can do, we say this all the time, you cannot find this love at Walmart, you will not pick it up in bulk at Costco. You cannot earn it, you cannot buy it. It has been given, it's a gift that we receive from him. And so what we're gonna do right now in this moment is we're gonna pray a prayer. And, and there's nothing fancy in these words we're about to pray, but rather the heart from which they come. A prayer like this is really just a moment to acknowledge Jesus and say, Jesus, I am giving you my life in this moment. And there's this journey of faith that we walk out. There's this journey now ahead of us, a journey that we're both still on. Many hundreds and thousands of people across the world who have said yes to Jesus are on this journey of, of faith, becoming in Christ. But it had to start somewhere. The, the, the impetus of the thing had to start somewhere. The genesis of this thing had to start somewhere and it started at the cross when we can say yes to him. The cross and the gift of the cross is ours and it changes everything. And so I wanna invite those of you who may be watching online tonight, maybe, maybe a, a friend invited you to this, this moment, this Good Friday moment. And I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with us. We're all gonna pray it. We're gonna pray it together in this moment. But maybe tonight you would say, hey man, Jason, like I wanna I want know and I wanna receive Jesus tonight. You're not receiving religion. You're not receiving a church. You're receiving a savior. And so come on, I wanna invite you to pray these words after me tonight. In your home, in your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you find yourself tonight. Would you repeat this after me if tonight you're saying yes to Jesus. Say this after me, Jesus, Jesus. I give you everything. I'm giving you my past, I'm giving you my right now, and I'm putting my future in your hands. I'm sorry for doing life my way, and I'm giving my life over to you. From this moment forward, I'm gonna follow you I'm gonna pursue you with everything that I am in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer tonight, one, we wanna celebrate you. We wanna let you know that, uh, that we are for you, that we wanna see you walk out this amazing journey of faith. Um, in the comment section uh, on both YouTube and Facebook, wherever you're joining in, uh, joining in today, we've got a few links for you. Would you let us know that you prayed that prayer tonight, if you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight and you're saying yes to Jesus? Come on, let us know that you, you were with us and that you prayed that prayer for the first time. We wanna be able to make sure that we can connect you with a Bible. We wanna make sure that we can walk it out with you and give you some next steps uh, in this journey of faith that all of us that you see right here are on uh, together. And, uh, and maybe you don't call the well home. Uh, we want to welcome you at any given moment and at any given time to our church. Um, you are more than welcome. It'd be an honor to have you. And uh, maybe you're joining from another location, another place, another state, another nation uh, across the globe. Uh, uh, we just want to let you know that we love you, that we are praying for you during this time. And if you made that prayer tonight, if you said that prayer tonight, find yourself a great local church to get plugged into where you can do life and you can do faith, you can do community, and you can step into everything that God has for you. Before we close tonight, I don't want to rush this moment um, because this is such an important truth and I've been really excited, we've been really excited to do, to do this tonight and take communion uh, together tonight. Um, leading up to the cross, it was in so many ways this grand drama. 
that Jesus was engulfed in. His disciples were engulfed in, and he was stepping into this moment where things were gonna get really heated. He would be taken away by force and eventually beaten and bruised and torn apart in ways that, that none of us would ever really fully understand, and, and he would go to the cross for every single one of us. But before that moment, he would take his closest friends. This is how cool Jesus is. That even in the midst of all this, he would care to the point of engagement. He would care to the point saying, I wanna share a meal with you. Like, I don't know how many of us could actually say like, if I knew that I was dying tomorrow, I don't know if I would wanna share a meal with you. Like, think about that for a second. Like, like just think about that truth for a moment. He's like, hey, and he wants it. And, and even more so, not only is he gonna share a meal with the disciples, he's gonna share a meal with the one who would betray him. You're getting a picture of the cross before the cross at dinner. So it says this in Luke chapter 22, verse 14. It says, when the hour came, I want you to hear this word, he reclined. (laughs) He reclined at the table. You would think one that had been sentenced to death and knew it was coming would have a different posture. You would think one who was getting ready to go to the cross would have a totally different countenance and disposition, but he didn't. He reclined, he was at rest with what was ahead of him because he knew what it was about. He knew what was going on. He knew the victory. And so he reclined at the table. And the apostles with him, his friends, the disciples. And then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup Maybe like this, maybe not. I think it was definitely like that. My wife thinks it was definitely like this. And after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of its fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And this is the part I want us to focus in on tonight. And he took bread like this. And he held it up. He gave thanks. He broke it as his body would be broken and he would pass it. He gave thanks and as he broke it, he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And tonight I want us to take communion if you're taking communion in your home tonight maybe differently than you've ever taken it before. That we would stop and we would reflect and we would pause it and we would remember. And this is why I love taking communion on Good Friday is because we are standing here right at this moment remembering the cross, remembering his broken body. And so if you're taking communion tonight online, let us take this moment as we eat of the bread and let us do so in remembrance of him. In the same way, Luke chapter 22, verse 20 would say this. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This cup represents his shed blood. 
shed blood of forgiveness that washes away all sin. And in its washing, we are made new. So tonight, in this moment, before we pray, let us take, let us drink, and do so in remembrance of him. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. We thank you that in this moment right now, we do not need to worry, we do not need to fear, because there's victory in the cross. That the debt has been paid, the love has been given. So tonight in this moment, a Good Friday like never before, we come together tonight to celebrate your goodness that was seen in your death. When the enemy had thought he had won, and when the disciples thought it was game over, we know that ultimately what was seen as defeat was ultimate victory. And so we thank you right now in this moment for the victory that we have in you. That sin has been conquered. That we have eternity to look forward to. That you have paid it all. The price has been paid. And while it was a bloody Friday, while it was a brutal Friday, while it was a Friday filled with mockery and, and seemingly defeat, as the earth shook and things were torn and, and everybody thought that the world had gone dark in this moment and that it was all over, we know that ultimately that victory was coming. Friday was bloody, but Sunday was coming. So we thank you for the cross. We thank you that with every smack of the nail, every ounce of pain, ridicule, and mockery, you were ultimately marching forward to the joy that had been set before you. And so you endured the cross, and we thank you tonight. We worship you tonight. In Jesus' mighty name.